0: With this super impressive microphone, and here's me with this, yeah, 30 pound thing from Amazon. So Uh,
1: it's it's doing the job, it's doing the job.
0: Cool. Chris Burgess, thank you for uh, giving up your time to do this, man. Um, I'm excited to speak to you. I've got lots of good questions for you, I think. And uh, obviously, we're, we're from the same industry. Uh, you know, yeah, I've been personally for a long time. So, super interested. I know you've done some great work. And uh, Lift the Bar is, is a company I've, I've just kept my eye on for years. And uh, you guys seem to be doing great. One thing that stands out with Lift the Bar, it's like, ethically, it sounds great. Like you can tell you're a company that has the best interest of the people you work with i don't know how you convey that but in your message but you do it so well so uh congratulations for that i was doing a bit of reading chris on um, lift the bar and uh, find out a little bit about you doing a bit of study on this and it, it made me smile because like many businesses start in this way it was literally you personal training right and some guy came over uh who was a personal trainer and asked if he could shadow you and learn some stuff off you and that's how it started right
1: yeah yeah very much so so um i I started off uh, as, a, as a trainer and I still am to this day. And I'm really pleased that the message come, comes across. I'm like, Thank you for looking into that. And uh, the message that comes across is that we care about trainers. Uh, I signed off on somebody else running our social channels a long while ago now, uh, Stuart, who is our, I don't even know what his job title is. Like basically he's front of house now. He's front of house. He was what I used to be a long while back. And uh, the fact he's carried that message on and, and taken it to heart means that um, culturally inside the business we got things may, maybe a bit right and that's as much on him as what it is on on me and the rest of the team but for me yeah i, I was a trainer and uh, got fully booked and uh we had a personal training school at the university of Bath i wasn't a part of delivering that course but uh one of the graduates from that course uh was recommended to come my way because i was somebody who'd been through the course before and had grown a pretty decent business at the university and he just said look i'm fresh out of school i'm where you were a couple of years back can you help me and I'm like uh yeah um cool and from there bit by bit he started taking started taking on board what I was saying uh started taking warm-ups in my sessions for me and I'd give him critique and feedback and my clients were fine with this uh then he would take the first part of the session I'd give him critique and feedback on that and then eventually we got to a stage whereby I was getting so many clients coming through that I passed off new leads onto him and we did like a revenue share thing. And even to this day, you know, he's the head trainer at my, at my personal training studio. So we're going back now. You know, I've been working with Johnny now for about 10 years. I wouldn't know the date off the top of my head, but a gut feel would say it's somewhere definitely 10 years. Cause we've had the gym for <laughs> seven years this year, which means that he was doing this. Yeah. It's, it's easily 11 years we've been working together and, uh, and long may that continue.
0: It's really interesting that you still teach because most personal trainers go through this, the you know the growth you know they get fully booked and then they discover other ways to to make to make money and eventually yeah, yeah. they're either, or, or or at least their ambition is to get out of the game for for many reasons from unsociable hours to they can make more money elsewhere is that is that something that you've just stuck with just for for the pure love of it for the pure passion of of still having your your, your kind of like yeah your your involvement in the personal training game.
1: Yeah, very much so. Uh, I, I The last thing I'll ever do in my career, hopefully at age like 70 or so, will be a personal training session. Scary to think that in 30 years' time, I be. Tra- I don't know who I'm going to be training because all my clients are way older than me. <laughs> and they've probably all gone by then anyway, Alex. But uh, we'll cross that bridge in 30 years' time or so. I love this job so much, man. I can't even begin. I've got to stop saying that. So when it comes to running an online business and start talking about like the lift the bar thing and being a gym owner thing. I've been phrasing it as, look, I'm a baby in business. I'm I'm a baby in running an organization, having a team, having a marketing plan, having business logistics, having a customer service team, having like CRM systems and leadership and management. I'm still learning that stuff, man. I'm I'm a baby at it. And it takes a long while to become competent in those things. And some of those things I've I've grasped and I've enjoyed, especially trying to uh, document what it's like to be a personal trainer who just loves being a personal trainer. But when it comes to the job of personal training itself, I back myself on that. So when it comes to me feeling competent in myself and confident in my daily life, knowing that I do 15 hours of work that I know I'm brilliant at, It gives me a platform to do the other stuff, like do a podcast, like put out social media content, like create a marketing plan, like have meetings with my gym staff, um, like have like coaching conversations with whether it's lift the bar members or gym members. Everything that I do is built on the foundation of I'm good at at least something. I'm good at at least something. The rest of it, I can learn on the job. I can take advice, get mentoring, get coaching, all this stuff. But personal training is something that I adore. And to that end, you know the the shortest amount of time a client has been with me is now three and a half years. The longest time is we're pushing on for year thirteen this year. So I've worked with these people an awful long time. They've become very close people in my life. I, in in some cases, they are now very good friends. It's impossible for us not to be. You spend three hours a week with someone for thirteen years. And it's impossible for these people to not matter in some way, shape, or form. I know they're incredibly proud of the stuff I've done at industry level, but they're even more proud that I still want to rock up, turn up. Uh, I'm advancing their training. I'm still bringing new ideas to the table when it comes to serving them. But most importantly, these are the people that have built my career. Like the people say like personal trainers, you got to go and build your career, but them sticking by me when I was not a good trainer, them sticking by me when I was distracted and uh uncomfortable in my growth them still turning up made sure that i still had to turn up and develop and advance and make sure that they were being served to the best of my ability and uh and and that's something i i i can never i can never give that up alex
0: yeah no i I mean it's really refreshing to hear and i think it obviously keeps you relatable with the personal trainers that you're working with as well because you know you're still in the game so but but what's really kind of stands out to me because a lot of you know, guys listening to, to this podcast won't be in the, the, the personal training game or the fitness game. Yeah, uh, You know, they listen to this podcast for various reasons, trying to improve their life, their health, their fitness. But um, how much of this is down to especially success in, I guess, in any area of life? But let, let's kind of apply it to the field of personal training, like personality and energy. So as you've already kind of, you know, flagged up, <laughs> like in our early days as personal trainers, well, I know absolutely nothing. You know, I look back and I'd be mortified if I could watch some of the sessions I was delivering. But one thing that you didn't have to teach me was like I cared, like passion was there. Like you, you, you know, I didn't have to be taught how to be passionate. So, how much, you know, of what you do at Lift the Bar is teaching trainers to have energy and passion. And I guess ultimately, the bigger question is: uh, Is that something you can teach somebody? Can somebody who's listening to this who doesn't quite have the energy and the passion in life can you? Can that be a skill that's learned?
1: Uh, yeah, it can. I genuinely think it can. Uh, the way in which that enthusiasm expresses itself might not be as uh, extroverted and um, as needy and touchy feely as I put things across, I'm a very needy man. I'm a very touchy feely man when it comes to how I present myself inside my business and and on session level. For some people, care and passion looks a lot quieter. It looks like more meaningful words less frequently, and the people that attach themselves to a trainer like that know that rather than getting positive reinforcement of behaviour and feedback on a two or three times a session level, that might be too much for some people. That genuinely might be. They might appreciate the fact that their trainer gives them some form of solid acknowledgement in a really long, meaningful way once every two to three months. So what I am very, very clear on is who I am and how I need to get the best from myself when it comes to the personal training job. I am validated by seeing positive emotion and the response of my clients. So if I'm not getting that, I've got to work harder at something, either the program, the delivery, the the exercise selection, uh, everything down to the music, the the environment, all these things are are variables that I need to adapt and manipulate so that I know that the people that come in are genuinely happy to be there because that's the biggest thing about all of personal training for me. And this is the same for any service industry, any self-employed service person, Alex. When they get a client It is remarkable. It's amazing. Because of all the people that that individual could have chose to spend money with in our industry or in any service industry, they chose us. Yet we've got a field crippled with like the imposter syndrome thing. Uh, Am I good enough? Self-doubt. And The biggest, uh, I I guess the the, the biggest thing we could ever do is acknowledge the fact that if a client chooses to spend money with us, it's the biggest sign that we're doing something right. And when that happens, it's an addictive feeling. So for me, I am the most grateful person in the world that 10 people on this planet choose to get in their car, turn the engine on. That's not an easy thing to do when the weather as cold as it's been recently. They get in their car, they turn their engine on, they drive to this awkward part of the countryside where my gym is based. They come through the doors and all because they do that all because they think that I can help them become a slightly better version of themselves. What an amazing way to live a life. What an amazing way to spend a career. Yeah. No, I think that's brilliant.
0: And all those small things that you've touched on, you know, the, the, the creation of the, the, the right environment for the client and yeah. those, those small things that all compound. But again, is is this something that you've that you've learned, Chris, or is it because again it sounds to me like it's probably in you that skill set? Like those are the kind of things that I will pay attention to as well. But being in the personal training arena for 16 years, I also noticed that some trainers don't pick up on those small things. You know, they don't pick up on the energy and what the client needs in that moment. So, where yeah. did you learn all these skills, or was it, or were these skills that you just have uh, on an intuitive level?
1: Yeah, intu- intuitively, I've always had that that in me. But also, like the neediness factor is probably something that is um, both a good and a bad thing when it comes to feedback and wanting to be validated for doing a good job. But when it comes to teaching that, like, yes, we do stuff on communication, self-determination theory. So ultimately, how are we going to make somebody feel like they have the tools and necessary skills to go on and be successful in their health and fitness life, whether it is through increased competence, so in giving them more skills, showing them that they are human with choice and that their choices matter, and then giving them a sense of they're not going it alone like the worst thing in the world when it comes to health and fitness is that i know that this month there will be hundreds of thousands of people who are walking into buildings with gym equipment in they're effectively paying a rental on to use that kit and they'll go into those gyms never having somebody say their name never having somebody say what are your goals and why does that matter to you because i've got everything in my head that can get you to where you want to be and these people are going to leave they're going to put on hold, Alex, they're going to put on hold their good intention of having a really good, healthy life. And they're going to stop because they don't know what they're doing. They don't know if they're making the right choices and they don't feel a part of anything. Yes. And that is really, really, really tough. Now their skills that you can actually learn about to so self-determination theory, communication, listening, body language, all this stuff matters hugely. But soft skills are still not trendy in the fitness industry. It's more trendy to learn about whether or not alcohol calories count more than carbohydrate calories, which count more than keto, which count more than vegan, which learning all about technical nutrition stuff or learning about intricate program design or intricate session delivery. That's fashionable. That's trendy. It'll always be trendy. What's not trendy is saying, what are you doing to become a better communicator? What are you doing to identify somebody's core basic needs as a human being? And the best thing about learning these skills is that when you learn them and you adapt them properly, every relationship in your life gets better, every single one.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, I have just joined.
1: Yeah, sorry.
0: No, sorry. Chris. Yeah, I've just joined a um, you know a, a mainstream gym for the first time in years because you know, I've always trained out of my own studio. It's just barbells, just dumbbells. Uh, and I've got to admit, it was a bit intimidating. You know, I walked into the, to this newly kitted out gym, seeing all these machines. There was a hip thrust machine. I didn't know where, where the fuck to start on it. It was pretty intimidating. And, I'm, you know, I'm pretty confident. I, I like to think I know what I'm doing. But just looking around, it was, it was really sad, actually, because you could see people who had made the effort to turn up. Uh, but you can see most people well in fact the vast majority of people had no idea what to do how to do it how to use the equipment so you can future pace that and think well you're not really going to get the results you want so therefore in three months you're probably not going to be here and the only thing that could jump out at me because I try and go there to switch off and I don't want to get into PT mode and try and go and correct everyone and you know try and set everyone on the right path but I just thought Man, if I was a trainer with just a little bit of energy and a little bit of um, ambition and, you know, a bit of decency, just just with the the the, uh, the aim to help people, it would be so easy to create a business in here. And I think sometimes now from PT school, everyone wants to set up their own studio. And it's like, well, what happened to the old fashioned, you know, climb the ladder, start in a gym where there's two and a half thousand members and just be seen, just be helpful and and yeah it was, it was a bit disappointing actually i've got to admit and i don't know i can't say all gyms are going to be like that but to see the effort going in and you know the clear lack of instruction for people um it yeah, it was a bit sad it was a bit worrying and uh, it's so good that i guess lift the bar is helping personal trainers to go into environments like that i assume and and to start you know just doing the decent thing and helping people
1: yeah yeah that's what we try and try and put across the reality is though when when you went into that gym and you had that observation when you consider that everybody in that microcosm of time, that tiny little moment in time is trying their best sure, and and everyone's best has so many levels more to go. There's no trainers on site. Somebody is, you know, the thing that annoys me about a lot of commercial gyms is that there would have been personal trainers in the staff room creating content for Instagram at the moment that these people are about to walk out and quit their gym membership and never return to a gym again. Like that is crazy, crazy stuff for me. So I'm there as a voice of reason, and uh, and that's something that our members in LTB generally tend to appreciate. Uh, the ones, the ones that actually know about me, anyway, they got. This it, it seems to have gone crazy this year. So I'm trying to reintroduce myself to a load of people.
0: Yeah, how many personal trainers are you working
1: with now? How many? Uh, trainers Oh do wow! Uh, so so as of as of this like moment in time, it's just over one thousand three hundred.
0: Yeah, that's incredible, man. That's absolutely incredible. Yeah, I think there's more to be said. I think you could pick up more business from just um coming off social media and getting, you know, getting out there in in, in a commercial gym. Cause like I say, there's two and a half thousand, three thousand members, most of which would love some help, are crying out for help because like you say, they're trying that's what makes it quite painful to watch. You can see they're trying their best. It's just that they're not, you know, they haven't been shown. It's like anything. If you're not shown, you don't know what yeah. to do. And to think that, yeah, you know, if you were a trainer that I guess had been under lift the bar, I can go in there and take take the opportunity to help the people. You've got a you know, you've got the foundations of a of a really good business there, right? Like it's a great job if you play it right.
1: Yeah, completely. There's there's for me, it's the best job in the world. Genuinely, is uh, might not be the best paid job in the world. It might not be uh, the best career longevity. You know, do people really want to be walking around a gym floor, age fifty five, lugging dumbbells around for clients? Who knows? There's not that many 55 year old trainers. I know that I want to do that, but also I know what it takes in order to keep people interested in their training, health and fitness journey. But when do- when it's done right, the job of a personal trainer there's there's very few things that I think can match it. I've tried a few jobs, uh, and th- this to me is absolutely it feels like a calling.
0: Yeah, how many trainers go on to have similar success to, to what you've had? So, how many trainers do you work with that that find that passion of saying? Wow. I will personal train until I'm until I'm done because it's very, very rare that I I know a lot of trainers. Most people want to get out and do something different. More for the sociable hours, like that's what that's what I found challenging, you know. Most of my business was six PM till nine PM or very early morning. So yeah, how many trainers have that passion that you do? Or is that what separates you, the owner of Lift the Bar, to to the average PT who spends their career in the gym?
1: Yeah, I, I think it's an interesting one. Uh, I'd say that there's it's very common in LTB, but is that because of what we do or people who come into LTB are naturally looking for career development anyway? It's very rare for personal trainers to actually seek out any form of career development. Because the reasons for getting into being a personal trainer for a lot of people are they want to work in a gym. Uh, they want to work around an environment that inspires them. Uh, not necessarily realizing or catching hold of uh, whether or not that environment is at all inspiring for somebody getting started uh, in their health and fitness journey. But when it comes to LTB, members generally tend to come in because they want career development and therefore they're looking for that career longevity, which is an amazing, amazing, amazing thing. And there's a few members that have been with us literally since day one. They were part of my launch uh, all the way back like eight and a half years ago now. Eight and a half or eight and a quarter, I don't know. A long time ago, when I had full brown hair ago, not gray hair ago, uh, and they're still personal training. They've moved from like doing mobile PT to creating a small studio in their garden to now having their own fully fledged semi-private training facility and an online business and all this kind of stuff. Then they've, they've gone through the rite of passage of like starting small, adding layers, adding layers and like developing and scaling that way. And to see somebody do that, not just over like very trendy thing over doing it over like six to eight months, but to be have done that over eight years and still be really into the job, be really inspired by working with clients, that's a really, really amazing thing to see. And to know that I'm not alone in that vision of what I want from my life is amazing. And When it comes to the Unsociable Hours, I absolutely agree with you. I agree with you so much on the Unsociable Hours, Alex, like you couldn't believe. But I love the Unsociable Hours. I love them. I love getting up at like 5.30 to get to the gym ready for 6. I love de-icing my car. I love working the 6 o'clock session. I love working the 7 o'clock session because do you know what? By the time 7 o'clock is kicked out, I'm home for 8.15, which means I can take my kids to school on the back of already earning a decent amount of money in that day. I get the kids to school and then I've got a couple of hours mid morning where I can do another couple of sessions. And by the time we've got through four sessions in a, in a weekday, I've made some decent money. I've taken my kids to school. I've got enough time to do the school run on the way back. Therefore I'm allowing a physical training business to support the life that I want. And my life is completely built around being the absolute best dad I could possibly be for my kids. And at the stage of life they are at the moment, that means walking them to the school gates, being there at the school gates, being able to take them to their various activities out of school. And if they're not going to do activities, sit down and watch a movie with them. This is the stuff that gives me life. And the fact that I can do four sessions per day completely around that is amazing. It's amazing.
0: Yeah. No, absolutely. That totally makes sense. I mean, we spent a day in um, you know, doing a a course on on this this very thing. You know, we look at the primary aim first. So this is basically what what do you what do you what's most important to you in life? Because my opinion is that you you know your your personal values should come before your business values. So, you know, you get those personal values in, in, in alignment. So like you said, you know, taking my kids to school is number one. And then we build the businesses around those personal values. However, it's quite difficult, isn't it, when you're anyone listening to this who's, you know, thinking about starting a business or new to business. Often most people start business. I don't know if you agree with this one, Chris, but mainly for autonomy and and, and the freedom to pick, choose, do as they please. But in my experience, to get to that point, I had to do a lot of things that were um, probably contradictory to that. So when I first started personal training, for example, I had an open diary right I literally said to my clients here's my diary book me whenever you want I will work. So it's it's kind of like yeah understanding that how how do you deal with this when somebody new comes in who says look I you know I want to break away from my employment role I want to start up this personal training business. The main reason is for that freedom and that autonomy to do what I want knowing that probably the way to get that is going to be to work your balls off and get to the point where you have to put in all the hours under the sun to get the reputation to get the skill set and then in turn long-term to start creating the uh, the life that you want. Is that the usual approach?
1: Yeah, I mean, it, it can be. I mean, yeah, I mean, the reality is to get to the stage whereby you can tell your clients, look, I'm only willing to work six o'clock and seven o'clock in the morning, take it or leave it. That's a long time. You've got to like go through almost a rite of passage when it comes to this stuff, unless you've got a really good sound financial footing behind you. That's just the nature of life. Like when it comes to somebody saying, right, I'm going to pack up the office job or pack up my my full-time work, something else, I'm going to build my personal training business. It's like for me, it taking the plunge and like taking the taking the choice away and just going straight from one to the other is something that I never had the courage to do, and I'm delighted I never had the courage to do it like for me when i started out and the the path and what i can advise on if other people have got the courage to do it and have got the financial uh backing to do it or they've got like the the sheer bloody mindedness to make it work that's fine cool like go go for it listen to that person that's done that thing and, and absorb everything they've said but i've never done that so i can never advise somebody to do it for me what i did is i had a full time office job i qualified as a trainer and i looked at my office hours i had to be in the office for like 8:30 I knew I'd leave the office at five 30. You know, it was the dumb thing to get in a bit earlier and leave a bit later. But when I knew that PT was going to be my thing, I took those like optional bits, like the booze after work on a Friday and, and canned it all. What I did is I put a sound burst out way back when, and I got a six o'clock in the morning client Monday, Wednesday, Friday, three hours a week at that point is like, Thirty-five pounds a session. So we're talking £105 per week. Working 6 o'clock, get changed, get to the office, 8.30, no problem. The office is 15 minutes away from the gym. So then 7 o'clock got built. So now we're talking 800 a month off of working 6 a.m. and 7 a.m. I couldn't really push another session into that, so that's good to work. Then I got 6.30 o'clock, 6.30 p.m., nailed so now you know we're starting to talk 1200 pounds a month save 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 don't spend it i'd spent it all in the first three months because i thought i was like i thought i was 50 cent with my with my checkbook out but um but for me like i started saving 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 build a platform for that then i knew i couldn't push it anymore because at this stage I was leaving the house at 5.30 to do personal training, 6 and 7 a.m., going to an office job, which has its own pressures, then doing personal training from like 6 until 7 or 6.30 to 7.30, depending on on the client. So I was not getting home until like 8 p.m. I've got a wife who is the most incredible support. I can't even begin. I'll start well enough. I know it's meant to be a man podcast, but I'll cry my eyes out if I start talking about Sam too much. And for me to know that I had that platform of revenue, I knew I had to stop there. I didn't get greedy. So I had a full-time salary and a good paid job, good paid job. About £1,200 a month in PT revenue coming in. The next stage on for me is I actually took on distance-based clients, right? So (coughs) hybrid, I coined this phrase a little while back. So they're a client who will train with me once per, like every two weeks or once a month on a Saturday morning. So, I'd spend my Saturday morning uh, training people who'd only come to train with me once a month. And in between that, they'd get uh, digital support, now known as online coaching. This is like 10 years ago. So, during my lunch break, I'd be checking in on a daily basis with my online hybrid type clients. And now, all of a sudden, we're talking getting up to like 17, 1800 pounds per month, just getting bank, 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 bank. Then I had the courage from there, the financial platform the guaranteed revenue client base to take the plunge into into a personal training career that has since gone on and become as rewarding as it was. But let's not get things twisted. For my first five years of being a personal trainer, I was leaving the house at five in the morning. I was not getting home until 7.30 in the evening. And I had a wife who barely saw me. And when I was there, do you think I was present? Of course I wasn't. I was thinking about client stuff, PT stuff. I was thinking about my boss at my office job Saying, you don't seem as committed as what you used to be. What's going on? <laughs> and, and as such, uh, that was a torrid five years. Did I have to push as hard as I did in trying to build the PT business and keep my office job? Well, for the financial security of, you know, we wanted to get a mortgage, we wanted to get a house, we just got married. Yes, yes, I did. Uh, but if I could go back and relive that time, uh, I would change a few things. Definitely a change of few things, namely not doing the evening session. So you finish work in the evening, go home. But the flip side to that is the people that did those evening sessions are still with me to this day. Mm. So it's, it's like I say, sometimes you've got to grind out the the hard yards. Yeah, I think all the time.
0: I mean, I love that story. I think it's great. And you use the words right of passage, and um, I love those words. I think that's a great phrase. And uh, yeah, I think that goes missing. I think, you know, for, for various reasons, I think. We are sold a dream sometimes that we can just have the freedom that we want and the financial (laughs) freedom that we want, But people forget to mention all the things that you've just spoken about. So like I say, yeah, I know in my life when I look at, you know, all the things that are now bearing fruit, you know, that are now, you know, the highlights of my life have come off the back of what you've just said, like pure sacrifice. I think selling that's hard, Chris, you know, if you say to a personal trainer, which is, you know, if I was working with a brand new personal trainer, that's exactly the kind of information I'd say, I'd be, look, open that diary up get your hours in, get your experience in, get up at 5 a.m., go home at 9 p.m. I don't know how many people would buy into that now because I think there's systems out there that sell a a much smoother way of doing things. I don't know whether, um, again, uh, tell me through Lift the Bar, whether, you know, uh, are are there alternatives to that hard route or, uh, you know, have I missed a trick in the last few years in the personal training Choose your hard, man. Choose
1: your hard. Yeah, absolutely. If you rush that, you don't know what makes people stay. Look, there's, if, if, if I wanted to sell a program to PTs that um, told them how to get fully booked inside six to eight weeks, I'd be telling them how to be me for a short period of time. And that will only work once or twice. The rug gets pulled under people who do things like this and follow a mentor's or coach's way to the letter. It all starts falling down. When you're attracting a bunch of clients who you are not destined to help in the long run, so when it comes to when it comes to um, people who do this, they they, yes, we can make loads of sales early, you can quit your job, and for an entire year you can make good money following a marketing system that somebody else laid out. But when that stops what you left with. I have seen that look, the graveyard of good-intended PTs careers, who have followed somebody else's system in order to get fully booked quickly and make bank one year, and have gone and crashed out of the industry the next, is enormous, and nobody talks about it. Nobody talks about it. Like the 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 longevity in this career, it absolutely comes from knowing that when people come to you for who you are and everything that you are, your values, the way you view the world, the way you view exercise, the way you keep them accountable, rather than following somebody else's blueprint, that's when you can get comfortable in knowing exactly how to find more people just like that. Mm. So I know if I put out a program that said, uh, told personal trainers, look, tell somebody in eight weeks, they're going to lose this amount of weight they're going to get this level of service. We're a fun engaging out there environment. I know train, if a if hundred trainers followed everything that I said to the letter, probably good, like 50, 60% of them will be fully booked inside six weeks and would be fully out of the industry in 18 months. You have to find your voice. You have to find who you are. You have to find why people stay with you. You know, I back myself in any commercial gym in this country. I back myself to go in and get fully booked very, very, very quickly. Does that mean I'm better than any other trainer in that building? No. I just can find and seek out straight away the people who I know I connect with and ignore everyone else. To get fully booked, don't forget, to get fully booked as a personal trainer, the reality is is that you're probably looking at somewhere between 30 to 40 hours of client work per week. That means, in real terms, people training once or twice a week, I need to find somewhere between like 12 to 18 human beings in total that don't mind hanging out with me that much as long as I can make them better.
0: Sure. But that that confidence and self-belief that you've got there, Chris, that's also come off the back of hard work as well, hasn't it? We spoke about this today. Yeah, that that self-belief is there because you've gone through the test of time. You've proved that you can get yourself clients. You've proved that you can deliver results. And because of that, you've now got the belief that you can go into any gym and like you say, uh, get busy pretty damn quickly. Well,
1: I've, also what, what, I, I've, always, o- I've also followed the other way from experience. Like, I've always, I've also followed the other way. I've been fully booked, and then like read an advert online that promised I could get like a billion online clients in like this amount of time and go mm. to like six and seven figures. I've, I've followed that stuff, and like it, again, the upfront hit is great. I feel like, oh my god, I'm going to be like, this is, this is great, and then. When people start leaving because you're not what they expected, and also they're not what you expected, sure, yeah, that's where like the negative spir- st- uh, spiral starts to to gain momentum. Sorry, that's
0: all right. Yeah. So, uh, like I say, uh, a guy listening to this, and you've mentioned the words, you know, when you start to become more comfortable with yourself, and you know, find your voice, and so on. Uh, how does someone start about going uh, about that process? So, if someone's unsure about who they are. Or what they should do, and this is, you know, related to any area of life. Like, yeah, where do you start discovering who you are?
1: It's um, it's it's a really tough one, and you have got to ask yourself hard questions. The question I ask myself every day without fail is, "Why do I feel the way I feel about everything today?" Sometimes that takes me thirty seconds to answer. It's like I feel good. Why do you feel good? Well, I feel good because I'm just, I don't know, I'm happy. That's fine. Like, but sometimes like you ask yourself that question, why do I feel the way I feel about everything today? Right. Okay. So uh, I feel irritated. Everyone's pissing me off. Everyone is pissing me off. Why can't people just do the things I ask them to do? Why can't people do the thing I ask them to do? Um, I am, you start digging down on, right. Okay. So where am I the problem in this? But, well. I'm stressed financially. I'm stressed financially, so that means I'm sleeping less. I'm sleeping less, and I'm having a few more cans of beer in the week. I'm also not eating quite right. My my motivation to exercise has fallen through the floor. And simply by asking that question, I found out so much about myself. I found out so many places and digging down where I am wrong about stuff, Uh, where I'm wrong about relationships that I needed to just put an end to, and who I'd been ignoring, you know, I, I, I've got my two closest mates in the entire world. Like I went through, Alex, I went through a period of maybe, I don't know, five years. And like, we'd see each other maybe once a year at most, a few met text messages here and there. I missed so much in their lives because I wore my busyness and my stresses and my irritability as a badge of honor. Like, oh, I'll text them in a bit. I'm just so busy. I'll text them in a bit. I'm just so busy. And I was making good money. Lift the bar was starting to grow, man. It was, it was good. I looked at myself and thought, I am so, I'm not happy. I'm not happy. It's like, why am I not happy? I asked myself the big questions. So in terms of how your listeners and how like your guys, whoever it is, is going to listen to this, gets more comfortable with who they are, ask yourself that question every single day. And don't bottle out of giving the answers. You don't have to say the answers out loud. Nobody else is knowing you're asking the questions. You start asking yourself these questions, you'll find out. It's like, I'm feeling tired. Okay, why am I feeling tired? Why am I feeling like low energy? Why am I feeling anxious? What am I holding inside that's making me feel nervous, anxious? Is adrenaline so high? Why am I feeling adrenaline? What can I do to handle these things? And it's a, you can call it uh self-motivation, self-coaching. I I just call it an opportunity to find out more about myself and the person I am in this moment in time. And if I do it once a month, it's pointless. Do it once a week. It's also pointless because you're asking yourself in a moment in time. And we always ask ourselves the questions, the tough questions when we're feeling our best, ask yourself the questions when you're feeling at your lowest and watch how life changes.
0: Yeah. No, I think that's great stuff, man. And you know, this is how we prompt the guys inside the better man to start their day each day. It's, you know, yeah, it's, it's, uh, you know, I learned a lot in my twenties of how to do things incorrectly. So like you say, you get busy, you build the business and then all of a sudden you wake up one day and you realize you you're neglecting the actual things that you started the business for. So you want the freedom to do what usually to spend more time with the people you love and to go and have adventures and new experiences like you say before, you know, you, you, you quickly lose sight of that and you just end up becoming yeah. busy. So one of the questions we always ask, and it's really, really important, and it's such a simple question, it's just what do you value most in life? Like and who do you value most in life? And I find that a lot um, of guys, uh, yeah. you know, they start to feel the depression and they start to to feel low when they're not living in alignment with those values.
1: Uh it's gonna sound cliche. Is anything, uh my my wife, my mum, my two kids, my sisters my two best mates, and uh, and everybody that really, if I, if I could throw a net over the people who um, who mean the most and make me who I am the most, these are people that have been around decades. And that's not to say that I don't value people that have come into my life during my journey, which which is important, but these are the people who, who really, really made me the person that I am. And all of my good side, all of my bad side, the way I handle stuff, you know it's going to come down largely look i'm obsessed not just with um being a good parent myself i want to just be make my mum proud i want to be the best son i can possibly be i want to be the best brother i can possibly be i definitely want to be the best dad i can possibly be and when i take those family values uh and i i've only just realized this in the last year like the thing that brings me most joy is the clients that i i get on best with when it comes to work they all are like that too they're such good family people. And I've realized through just asking myself probing questions, like all I want in life is to create better families. My mechanism to do that is personal training or helping personal trainers become better personal trainers. So hopefully they make better families too. But when it comes to the people who, who make me who I am, it's really, really, really straightforward. My mum and my wife are the two biggest ones by such a massive distance. Um, you know, I've got influences in the in 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 work life. Certainly, uh, there are people that I look up to in industry life, like very very much. But um, we're talking like one or two percent per person. Like, I get everything that I need. I know if I'm living a good life. I know if I'm happy in myself, not because of uh, my bank balance, because I, I never pay myself from lift the bar anyway. I'm still paid by personal training revenue and things like this. So, um, for me, the most important thing is: Am I living a happy life? I can see my wife's got a smile on her face. I'm getting time with her, I'm getting time with my kids. I'm speaking to my mum on a daily basis. I'm hanging like my best mates. You know, we've now, we're two and a half years into not missing a single day chatting to each other. Like if I've got, if my business dies overnight, I've got these people. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, that's the most important thing.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's funny you're talking about this because, you know, this is where the better man's evolved to. And it's why I called it the better man. Cause you know it's, it's about creating better lives and and you know that's what we do inside the group and um everything you've just mentioned so you know i, I don't know how old you are chris but i don't know if it's an age thing but i had the same kind of you know realization it's like actually the things that i said were important to <laughs> my life i'm not actually giving them the time and attention they they deserve so we had the same chat you know i dropped my mates a message and said look lads, we hardly see each other anymore you know are we you know this isn't what friends do so we set up this, this whatsapp group and every six weeks we put dates in the diary for, for the whole year for every six weeks. And we just say, well, either grab a beer or we'll go and do something fun.
1: Yeah.
0: Those kind of things. and And then when your alarm clock does go off at 5 a.m. And, you know, you kind of like, if you know why you're working hard, that helps. Because I think a lot of people are just going through the grind every day. I think it helps to have, you know, things that make the sacrifices worth it. And I think if you lose sight of that, you can fall into the cycle of, I just work. I just fucking work. I just work. When's this going to end? I'm tired. Yeah. And there's no reward at the end of it.
1: No, exactly. exactly. Uh, For me, um, having the daily contact with the lads, the the, the thing I'm more comfortable in now is that, look, many, many better business owners than me are going to see their businesses die. And they're going to put all of their self-worth on an inanimate object, their business (laughs) dying. Yep. And that's incredible. It's so sad, but so much pressure on proving to the world that they have a great business without really realizing their business and them are not the same thing. I've only detached myself from uh, my gym and lift the bar in the last three years. And that's taken a lot of time to get my head around. But for me, these people, if my business dies overnight, they'll still be there. Like the same banter in the WhatsApp groups. They're not going to show pity on me. I'd hate that. My wife's still going to be proud of me because she knows that I'm still helping to be a good dad and good husband every Sunday. I'm still there finishing my early sessions and finishing my work. I'm going straight upstairs to put, you know, nice shirt on, nice jeans, shower, shave, look good, look like the kind of guy that would have caught my wife's eye 21 years ago. You know, this is the little it's the little details. So when it comes to uh, me living the kind of life I want to live, like it's a bigger thing. I, I make more choices on what I'm going to wear on a Sunday to be flirtatious and 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 catch Mrs B's eye than than pretty much anything I do in the entire week. Yeah, I put more yeah. emphasis on that than I do on my business these days. No, because I uh, I understand business dies. Like that's one thing. If Mrs B is not there, then that is oh my god, that's that's just not not happening. <laughs> we
0: had this again. We had this exact conversation today. You know, we were we were trying to you know some of the guys were struggling to to, to um, articulate what was really important to them. And one of the ways I view it is, like you said, if everything gets ripped away from me, what am I really <laughs> going to do in life? Well, do you know what? If the better man collapses tomorrow, I'll get over it. I'll lick my wounds and I'll wake up and I'll start rebuilding another business. If my family and my friends get ripped away from me tomorrow, it's a very different fucking outcome. That's, that's disastrous. Yeah. yeah, exactly right. So th- that tells you what's important when you look at it from that point of view and what you value most. And I think, yeah, the key, like you say, with asking good questions as well, is can you create the business that allows you to live what we would call your primary aim or your or, or, or the life that you want to live? And I think that's what personal training eventually allowed me to do, allowed me to pick and choose my own hours, to help other people create better lives, which is ultimately fulfilling, to meet new people, new experiences. And I think, yeah, if you can get those two things in alignment, yes, my business it's not my life, but it allows me to live the life that I want to lead. Then I think you're onto a winner at that point. But that's not always easy to discover. How much of this is luck, Chris? I don't know. I feel quite lucky that I've stumbled upon what I do because it's an amazing job. And I know some it's people. The roller feel
1: coaster, right? Sorry, Chris. In order to get to that, like you go, you have to go through the roller coaster. The roller coaster never stops. In business, there are highs, there are lows. We, the roller coaster, will always roller coast. It's the same track. It's the same highs. It's the same lows. We just get more desensitized to their highs and lows. And that's why we can reflect on things. But something that's important, I think, to mention as well is that if you don't have your own business and you're working for someone else and you are taking work pressures and work stresses home, you've still got to ask yourself these questions. So a lot of what we've mentioned tonight is about, like, effectively your self employed life, mm-hmm. like whether it's personal training or someone else. But when it comes to people who are in jobs at the moment, let's, for argument's sake, say, you are letting a work relationship uh, annoy you so much, you're going home and being less than the dad you want to be and less than the husband you want to be, or less than the partner you want to be. By asking yourself these questions, you can start to address the impact on how you can deal with the work relationship so that it's no longer a thing. You either like shelve it, Concede, because ultimately, like when it comes to battles in the workplace, I mean, I've had I battles in the workplace, even in the organisations I've got. You've got to have them sometimes. Sometimes it's just easy to just say, I, I, "Okay, I lose. I'm happy to lose. It's fine," because I'm not willing to give this the headspace or the mental energy in order for me to to do what you asked me to do. I concede; it's no big deal, and on we get. Like that is so 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 important. Too many people who are climbing corporate life let their work consume their entire being their entire existence is attached to their job description not the things that matter most and that's not just a self-employed thing it's plenty of people climbing corporate life doing that exact thing making that exact mistake
0: but i think this is why people don't ask tough questions Chris. because if you ask tough questions usually the answers are going to be difficult to you know yeah yeah absolutely, simple. absolutely. <laughs> you, know, you- if you discover your values and you, you know, you put it all out on paper and you you break the momentum and you say, Right, I'm gonna get out of this busy world just for a day and I'm gonna have a look at what the fuck I'm doing with my life. Oh shit, this job is taking me down a path I don't wanna do. The problem is then you've got to do something about it. And this is where I put a lot of emphasis on like things like courage and uh, integrity and decency and things we mention in the better man because when i'm trying to you know sell a 90 day program Chris, you know i can sell accountability and you get a fitness plan and it's boring as fuck and it, people have heard it all the time but what well,
1: you i sell your, offer,
0: service, mate. Your, your fitness plans are boring as fuck <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But, but what i offer is really like we speak a lot <laughs> about hope and decency and reowning like self respect and taking control of your life and doing something yeah. exciting and I think career is a little bit similar. It's it's just like I say, when you throw out those difficult questions, people get to that thing of like,
1: fuck. Well, it doesn't work on a daily, unless you do it daily, it doesn't work. Because otherwise you're only asking your questions when you are at your worst or at your best. And that is the easiest times to do it. What we do is we ask that question or my question, that's that's mine. You might want to ask a, a spin-off question. Ask yep. it when you're normal, because you'll start picking up on the things that are going to become big things. You put out little fires before they can become big fires. A prime example of this in day-to-day life is people hassling you for stuff, chasing you up on stuff. And then you feel pressured and you don't want to, you leave their messages on, you leave their messages on red, Or even worse, you put your phone onto airplane mode so that you can read the message without telling them you've read the message. Little life hack. Um, but <laughs> if you're finding yourself doing that, ask yourself the question. Like, why am I feeling, okay, I'm feeling hassled. Why am I feeling hassled? Well, because this person is keeps on asking me for this thing. Then what you can do is you can decide on whether or not you want to reply to them, whether or not you're happy just to let it roll over, but at least then you're in control of it. You're in control of how you're going to respond. And it's that controlled response that allows us to break free of all of these little micro worries. Because they take a lot of mental energy and they take a lot of emotional energy too. And all it takes is two or three of these little things. Everyone thinks that uh, in business or in life, it's going to be a big thing that sets you off as as like either really successful or really unhappy. And it's not. It's the accumulation of lots of little niggly things that if you just addressed when you're at your normal flat level, you, you, oh my God, I can't even begin to tell you how much it's had an impact on my life in every single way.
0: But there are some key areas, right? So career, relationships, there's two things that that we could skip all the small stuff and go straight to the big stuff if you wanted, right?
1: Yeah, yeah, completely. You could go straight to those things. But sometimes uh, people think about relationships as the direct person in their household. Sometimes for me, the the biggest relationship I was failing on at my absolute worst was with my two best mates. That, That I mean, that was in the back of my head every day. There's no hiding from it. In the back of my head, I've not spoken to these two lads properly in ages, and it was breaking me apart. But then it gets an awkward silence, and then you ask a question, you find out, well, actually, one of my mates now has a kid that I did. he was going to tell me about but thought I was too busy to respond to. This is where a little thing over four years become an extraordinary thing. If I'd have gone back and had the skills I had now back then, It's like, okay, messaging has been a bit rubbish. I need to deal with this. If I just ask myself, why am I feeling the way I'm feeling? Well, I'm feeling a bit distant from the two lads. And why is that? Well, because I keep on, I'm busy. It's like, well, okay. But is there anything more important than your friends and family who are going to be there if the business fails? Like, no. So what in your diary are you time wasting on? Like one or two things. And then you get to the crux of, okay, this is a me thing. It's not a them thing. And that is the thing that I am so, so, so guilty of. Uh, Some of the stuff I've mentioned in this podcast so far today is like, I'm making it sound like I've always had this figured out and I've not. I've had to learn this in such a hard way. And uh, the ability to answer that question when you are normal is the most brilliant skill you could take on. Because like I say, if you ask at your worst, like you'll blame everyone. If you ask at your best, you'll put yourself on a pedestal. It's when you're at normal and the little things are starting to get annoying That's the perfect time. And there's things that annoy all of us every day. Today, I've been annoyed four or five times. Do the work on it and off we go.
0: Yeah, but again, like every other successful person I've spoken to, often the success has come from those periods of time where things are really not going well. So the way that you learn and discover that your friends are really fucking important to you is by by doing exactly what you did and kind of like, you know, treating them as if they're not. And that, that's the only way I've learned as well. And there's not many people i speak to on this podcast who have had some form of transformation or are doing well in their life that it hasn't been a result of things going fucking, you know, the, the opposite way. So I think <laughs> that it's the best way we learn. It's certainly the best way I learn. I learn best when I've just fucked things up and I know that that's not the way to do things in life. And I think this is where I, you know, I use the, the, the phrase, look, I just feel lucky that I've stumbled upon what i do now because i could have tried 20 other things that hadn't worked out which is fine it's just like you know food it's like you only know what foods you like by trying a variety of foods and sometimes career and passion can be the same the thing that makes that a problem chris is we've only got so much time on this planet so this is where i'm all about like dude if you want to know what your purpose is just try stuff just go and do stuff i know that you're not going to find out what you want to do in life by sitting watching netflix so There's almost an element of just fucking get out there and try things, try things, try things, try things, try things. And eventually one of your interests will become one of your passions.
1: Absolutely. The thing is that we are social creatures by nature. Uh, But some people find that really, really tough to go into environments like that. So when it comes to if you've not found your thing yet, what can you do with other people that gives you a sense of belonging? Because it's incredible how much passion comes. From, from all of us when we feel like we belong somewhere like we uh we grow up and we go through the academic system and whilst I think the school system is is incredibly flawed for a modern world what it if you go back to a moment in time uh we're sat with our mates in science class not listening learning how to create pea shooters and we're then playing football and we belong to something until we're 16 years old. And then we get the choices to whether or not we want to carry on that journey. By the time we get to 22, 23, and maybe university, I go to university, but I carried on playing football to an okay-ish level. We still have that sense of togetherness, that sense of belonging. And then when all of that starts, life gets in the way and your team changes, and no longer are we put into these social situations that we put ourselves in willingly. Once all of that goes away... That's when a lot of people find, in, in my experience, they start to find that they're, they don't know what their passion is. They don't know who they are. And actually, the thing that they're missing more than anything is a sense of actually they're not go- walking through this planet alone. And you know, there's plenty of people in relationships that still feel very alone. Like it's not down to, even in my relationship, I think I've got the best marriage there's ever been in history. But Sam still isn't enough for certain things. Like, and it's not her job to be my teammate playing sports and the things that I like to do that way. It's not her job to be my beer-drinking buddy like my two best mates are. When we make ourselves more available for social situations, whether it's playing a sport, joining a club, of any thing, shape, or form, you watch how passion changes. Like I've never in my entire life, Alex, been passionate about martial arts. Went to take my daughter to a Brazilian jiu-jitsu class, and the way they made her feel so welcome – the owner's got great family values, great family, va- great family man. And I was like, that is a good dad. That is a good husband. That is a good person. He knows what it's like to talk to a five year old timid kid. I never wanted to start myself. Oh, Always got to see on Instagram, you know, looks oh, all right. It looks just like man cuddling. You go team. That's your thing. I play football and I deal with passive aggressiveness, not aggressive aggressiveness. And here we are three months later, I think it's the best thing in the world. Is it the rest of the night? No, everybody there, good family people. And even if they're not got families, they treat that as their family. They want everyone to succeed, everyone to win. They speak with levels of courtesy and kindness that I could never before really felt or haven't felt since I was playing in teams that are getting to cup finals in football. You know, I feel like a part of something now. And that's not a, a, a thing that, um, Sam, my wife has failed at, my mum's failed at, my daughters are failing at. But now I feel a part of something. I feel like I belong to something more. It's incredible. And that's where a lot of people make the mistake. They simply don't put themselves into social situations. Human beings are social creatures. We thrive on a sense of belonging. Whether that sense of belonging comes from one, two, three, or four people doing uh, extraordinary things, find, find that. It's so important. And as a gym owner, I see it all the time. I see it all the time. People saying, I wish I'd have done this 10, 15 years ago, because I feel like I've got my gym friends. I've got my, like everybody's on the same journey together. And I feel like I'm a part of something. People are going away from social anxiety. People are afraid to leave the house six, eight weeks ago. Now pretty much run to the gym to see their gym mates. We are so social by nature and everybody plays that down. And it makes me so annoyed.
0: No, I agree. I mean, I run an online business, but the most powerful days are like the ones today where we all drive from, you know, all over uh, all over England and, and Wales and Scotland to meet in a yeah. room. And it's, you know, or we climb Nevis or we do something. And those days are so, so powerful. But I think this is the, you know, where technology is advanced, you know, because I can live my life without really going outside now. So I can get my shopping delivered to my door. I can find a fucking wife online if I want to. I can do, you know, I can run my business there is every opportunity for me to feel like I'm connecting and socializing without even stepping outside. And I think the two things you've mentioned are very different. So connecting through the art of social media or text message is so, so different to, like you say, joining the BJJ club, being around people, touch, feel, communication, vocalizing, uh, body language. It's so, so different. And this is one thing that I say as well, your environment is so, so, so important. And I, I, feel like, I feel like some guys need a real nudge because it's pretty scary jumping into a new environment, especially like yes, is. the martial arts world, you know, BJJ, all that kind of stuff. But I've never really known anybody that's, that's had regret about finding a good social circle.
1: Yeah, especially one where, like, effectively, unless they help you get better, they don't get better too. It's in yes. everyone's interest. So even if it's a five-walking, let's say it's walking football, which is becoming a big thing for men in like their 50s and 60s. Even if it's walking football, like it's in everyone's interest that you would get a better player. So they'll help you. They'll talk to you. They'll laugh with you. You muck things up, though. It's so, so important. When we struggle together is when the magic happens.
0: (laughs) Absolutely. Yeah, this is why we do the physical challenges, why we climb mountains.
1: yeah. Yeah, that's how. Yeah, men bold- you think about why Tough Mudder's has become a multi—well, it was a multi-million-pound business until Will Dean sunk the thing by trying to become a TV star. Okay. But, <laughs> but when it comes to things like um, obstacle course races, and especially the, the Tough Mudder scene that was was so big over the, before the pandemic, huge, thousands, hundreds of thousands of people all over the world doing this stuff. Yeah, and you could only get around with the help of others and helping others. Literally, that's it. Whether you go alone or go in a group, you are not getting around the course unless somebody gives you a hand and you give a hand to someone else. That is literally the popularity in a tiny nutshell. That is it.
0: No, I hear you. If, if anyone really ever opens up to me, it's always after something where we have together struggled to, to yeah. achieve some kind of challenge. So when we climbed Nevis, at, at, you know, uh, last weekend in the snow, ten hours up, down. You know, we didn't say much to each other on the way up and down. I mean, we were you know head down, focusing on the work. Afterwards, yep. because we've been through that struggle together and that bond, and some piss-taking and bantering, the communication after and the openness, I always <laughs> find that's when guys really let their guard down. Like they almost have to go through that first stage of yeah, the struggle, as you uh, as you've rightly said before. So I think this this expectation, guys, should just open up and talk. I don't know how many guys are actually going to do that. I think by putting them in social circles where you do physical things, you move, you get out, you build things, you have fun, you have a beer, even whatever it is, and then I always find the talking comes after that, after after the bonding, and I think that's a really good way of helping with just general mental health. It's just yeah, being around decent people, other decent yeah, people.
1: I never claim to be a mental health specialist in any way, shape, or form. I think people who do that are beacons of our society. And deserve way more praise and funding from the government than they get. But um, the talk about let's get people talking, um, I wish that the, that message um, was a slightly different. I think talking is important. Like get men belonging and we win. Mm. We win, yeah. honestly. But the, the, the mental health of, of, of men across the world. Will improve if we have an an absolute emphasis on how do we get men to feel like they belong mm-hmm. and if we do that then they'll talk
0: yeah absolutely i don't think going straight to the talk is is going to be the the, the most successful route and this is just for experience so like yeah, I, said, yeah. I think getting men moving getting men belonging uh an environment for me is is, is yeah, the first yeah. thing and you have to accept that yes some men aren't going to do that unfortunately and you can I think you can only help those who are willing or i think the biggest we, we we mentioned this today as well the biggest driver of change is usually necessity so people will change when they feel like they need to change and that's probably why yourself and, uh, and i have made changes in our life and our business because we had that we got to that point where it's like it's necessary that i don't that i change now because i'm not seeing my mates I'm not seeing my partner, I'm not spending enough time with my kids. So now that Lift the Bar is is thriving and it's great, do, do you do you build everything now around your personal values? i.e. I have to take my kids
1: to school and I have to. Oh yeah, sorry, for, so for Lift the Bar, yeah, completely, completely, yeah, yeah. Yeah, my, yeah. My 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 team in LTB know that I am full time dad, part time business owner. Yeah, that, <laughs> that's, that's not. It's, it's not. It's not even. It's be, It's way beyond non negotiable. Yeah, because there's going to come a time in in the not too distant future whereby my kids aren't going to want me to take them to school and it's going to break my heart in every way, shape and form. So while they want me to be there, I'm being there. And I set myself a very clear target. Uh, So we got 10 opportunities per week. So uh, Monday to Friday mornings, Monday to Friday afternoons, 10 opportunities to be at the school gates. I've got to hit five out of 10. Otherwise, the week is an abject failure. Look, we could add 50 grand onto the bottom line and lift the bar in a week and have not done five out of 10. It doesn't matter. My kids don't need me to have more money. My kids need me to be at the gates. Right. And they know that. So that my 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 team, and my I say my team, it makes it sound like I'm their boss. I'm not their boss. I'm their colleague. My colleagues account for the fact that I have these constraints in my life that I am completely unwilling to move. And yeah. the business works because of it. And I force those constraints and those questions onto, uh, onto the other members, especially the ones that have um, children as well.
0: Yeah, I think that's really important as a business owner as well to let your staff or colleagues know that, that that's how it is. That's the rule. So I have Thursday now dedicated to time with my parents. And my, my guys just know that now. I've made it really clear. I'm like, look, guys, Thursday, like, I'm out. I'm taking my mom and dad for coffee or lunch. And they just they just become accustomed to that now. It's, it's the new normal. I think where a lot of business owners get it wrong, they you know they, they try and do these things, like have time with their kids, but they're like, oh, fucking hell, I wish so-and-so would leave me alone, but oh my God, this, you know what I mean? They never really make it clear or set the boundaries. What you've clearly got, Chris, is like some real good, precise, personal values. My kids are important, <laughs> this is what I'm doing, and nothing is going to get in the way of that.
1: Yeah, uh, it's the same in the evening. Like, uh, I find myself, when it comes to running the running the business, when I do the school runs, actually, to run a good business, like, well, if I'm not working, like, between 8 and 9.30, and then between 2.30 and 4, look, sometimes the business needs to catch up on that, but you know, get home from uh, work in the evening. Uh, When I get home from work in the evening, this evening, uh, my laptop stays in my car. Please. If you're based in the bath area, don't break into my car with my laptop. It's kind of important to me. Uh, But the laptop goes in because any work that I need to do in the evening that requires a laptop means that I have not managed my time appropriately during the working hours. Uh, And like when we get, once we finish dinner, dinner in the evening, That's where uh, Mrs. B gets her foot rub. I completely ask about her and everything that's going on in in her head. Not uh, talk about the kids and things like that, but how she's feeling about life and making sure that she feels like she's understood and valued because that's a big part of who I want to be as a husband. So I make that time all about her. And some of that is making up for the time I lost earlier in my career when I had to do the yards and I wasn't there in the evening and I was distant because I was always thinking about the business. She, she she ran those yards with me. She had a distant husband. She's not having a distant husband anymore. Yeah. Like she the doesn't. Freedom has actually, the cost, doesn't it?
0: it yeah, freedom yeah. has a cost. Do you know what I mean? And and, and this is where like that, that, I'm not sure whether the word balance is is really appropriate here because it's not balance. You you know, you gave more to the business at the front end. So that you can give more to your family, but Chris, I think it's really refreshing, and I hope you know uh, business owners and guys that are going off on their own mission can use you in as an example and as inspiration as to someone who's got a successful business, but not at the detriment to their family. So I think you've done an incredible job, and I kind of knew, like we've never spoke before, but I knew, hey. I knew that about you just from the vibe that you give off and the content that you put out. So if I was a trainer signing up with lift the bar i'd kind of know that that would be the approach that i get and it's really really appealing it's you know it comes out in everything you do which is you know real credit to you. i think you you're doing a great job and you know i'm always a little bit pessimistic about the fitness industry because i've seen so many not so good things but lift the bar is always a company I've, I've always kept my eye on uh i think it's great and i think you're doing some great work and to, for you to get your message out and to to hear you talk about you know what you really value in life and how you still build a business off that, I think it's amazing. So I think, yeah, keep spreading the word of what you do.
1: Yeah, I appreciate that, man. Um for, for me, I made a very conscious decision, uh, like I said, three years ago to to not be in the fitness industry anymore, as such. I'm completely committed and and love what I've built with the team at Lift the Bar and I'll remain there. But in terms of public facing, like I'll let I'll let other people do that now. I've kind of had my my time doing that, and once those yards have been run like there has to come a dignified point whereby I could remove myself from the large operations inside, inside LTB. And I could means I could still can continue to enjoy my personal training stuff and, and, all those things and give loads of time back. And yeah, running the hard yards is, is, is an important part and uh, having balance is an important part. But the most important thing for me is that uh, I know when the time had come for me to completely wind down the amount of hours I was doing and not working hours of work just for the sake of working hours for work. Like ultimately, like for me, I can manage things now in around about 25 hours per week. So if I'm working beyond that and faffing, and that's not success. Yes, on a profit and loss sheet, the business might look successful. From a staff retention perspective, might look successful. From a set-up front sales perspective, might look successful. If that's coming at a cost of me not having a good family life, there's no point. And that's where I wish more people would would look at their lives and think, okay, running a successful business does not mean I'm a successful person. You mentioned a couple of times like it's lifted by successful. and I, I never really think about it. I never give it a second thought. The most important thing is, I have a, are my colleagues and my team living happy lives? Are we doing what we can to live a good life together? And then once we've done that and we've added value to our customers, are we going home and just being good people for the people in our lives? and if that's success then i'll i'll happily hold that up as success but i never really give business mm. success uh, a a second thought we do a good job and we go home and be good people
0: but that's exactly why i phrase it as successful yeah you know yeah, everything you you, med- yeah, you. You know what i mean everything you I med-
1: it really tough I, I take i take praise really tough as well i don't i don't really live i don't really live for it I, i'm yeah. so awkward when it comes to somebody oh you you look like you do the same. really goes like really I, I i thank you thank you is that what yeah. we no, say Thank Uh, you,
0: sir. I know know exactly how you feel on that one, but yeah, just from somebody like say, I know the industry well, and to to
1: see what you've achieved, industry drives me mad. That's why I had to take a back seat to it all. Like, no, not no interest in like being an online star. Luckily, I can't because I'm too old and haggard, and my teeth Uh, aren't good. Everyone's got good teeth now, man. Jeez, Uh, I I, I just not, I'm not, I'm not got the online life. I don't want to be a presenter, expos, and things like this. It's just for me. It's just about like how can I do the minimal possible. With the biggest impact and and get get the hell out. So just let other people be the industry people now.
0: No, I think we're uh, I think we're very much on the same page. So um, I th- I thought that was the case. Hey, Chris, thanks so much for giving up your time. Yeah, evening. you're welcome. You're welcome, man. It was awesome to talk to you. One last question, dude. What would you advise anyone out there who isn't feeling the love right now to do? What's the first thing they should do in order to become a better man? Where would you start?
1: Uh, ask yourself better questions. So that that's that's literally it It's yeah. done the right way it can change your life and ask them daily
0: fantastic chris Burgess
1: you're the man thank you so much mate thank you chris, mate. chris thank you mate.